Chelsea here and welcome to the first ever episode of the Anima Animas podcast where you'll be joining me in driving discussions to bring the conversation of sustainability to the forefront of the fashion industry. I'm absolutely buzzing to be kicking off our first ever episode with a very special guest live from Portugal. Today we'll be sitting down with Joanna Correa who is the founder and jewelry designer behind The Deco Life. As you may know, the sustainability space is so, so vast, but today Joanna will be taking us through her take on sustainability through the lens of upcycling and repurposing of materials. Joanna has such a fresh perspective on design and will be also sharing with us why she would never use new materials, which is the one key rule that her brand applies to when redesigning abandoned materials into new jewelry that all holds very unique stories. I'm so excited to be sharing with you such an insightful conversation where we'll also be breaking down our views on the stigmas associated with secondhand items, how our education systems may have impacted the way we view things and the secret to getting into the upcycling world without a design background. It's so amazing how fortunate we are to be living in a world where the internet exists, especially during this crazy pandemic, because I wouldn't have been able to connect with amazing new people like Joanna, who shares the same sustainability visions. So without further ado, let's jump right into the call. So hey, Joanna, welcome to the first episode of our Anima Animist podcast. I'm super excited to have you on because I think you have such a unique perspective to our sustainability vision. So just before we get started, we were going to play a game and it's called AA Assumptions. So this is when I say a statement and you're going to say if it's true or false and why, why you think that. So are you ready? Thank you so much. So yeah, let's do this. Sweet. (laughs) So our first statement is, the process of upcycling is hard. True or false? It's false. I mean, I would say it's intimidating. Mm. It can be intimidating. Uh, I think upcycling can be difficult or easy depending on the materials you engage with. Yeah, depending on the 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 tools you have available somehow and your experience working with the materials yeah yeah for sure so the second statement is is there such thing as waste oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i know <laughs> is there such thing that's very philosophical wait uh i think waste is perception i mean waste can be seen as something that doesn't have value anymore and that's when we consider it to be waste when something is wasted it's like discarded so if we start valuing things that we consider waste then does it still become waste or not that's the question yeah i think i would think of it like a a a perception value yeah i don't know yeah it's just like the one's man trash is another man's treasure as we were yeah exactly yeah exactly (laughs) so our third one is art and design lessons should be compulsory at school well i think it should be part of the curriculum uh for some schools it is uh but sometimes or generally it's not as valued as maths or science in general and I think a, an important component of arts and design is generally social science that go through arts and science. And um, as long as, as it would be equally valued, I think, yes, it should be important. Otherwise, it can just 
be viewed as a you know like entertaining kind of um, how do you say subject mm-hmm. that you go through a, a putting perception on art and design equally valuable as science maths or any kind of subject really. yeah, yeah I think that that's an interesting insight because I think it should be too just because we were talking a little bit about like creativity and like our thought processes um just before mm-hmm. we like hopped on so what do you th- what does sustainability mean to you and kind of like what's your take on that word or concept okay so i've used sustainability in two uh, aspects that are linked to each other uh, i see a practical side of sustainability and also a spiritual side of sustainability uh, by spiritual i don't mean like religious or any kind of uh, pre-written words on sustainability but what i mean is that for me, when we think of sustainability, we think of nature. For me, in spiritual terms, is it means that when I create something, or if I cut wood, for example, I take something from the nature. For me, sustainability is giving back something to nature. So if I take something from it, I will give back something. If it's not a tree, it will be, I don't know, like cleaning the water or taking care of it. And on the practical side, I think it's closely linked to a circular production. It's a way where every product is thought from the beginning through every cycle of his life. I don't think it's just a designer's job. If I create, for example, uh, a glass cup, for example, um, I should think of the material, a material that in the society that we have can, after its life, can be actually repurposed and uh, but for this, it's not just about recycling. We need like a whole society structure that permits those materials to have other lives and to be uh, repurposed for other things, you know. So um, I don't think it's just a designer's job. I think the design is very important in this, but it's also about, you know, like a recycling stru- structure, a gathering of material structure. because. Uh, in real life, when we put things to recycling, we don't really know what happens after. Like we think the plastic is going to be recycled, but you don't know what's going to become of this plastic, where it's going to go. Uh, Europe ships a lot of uh, plastic, for example, and other materials to other countries. Um, so we are not really dealing with our own waste. And that's for me, sustainability has to be thought also locally not discarding other countries and the help that we can have with each other, but also thinking not, you know, not this thinking like I produce, but I don't want to take care of it. So I just discard it away. And this notion of waste comes also in this. I talk at least, I mean, for Portugal, for European countries in general, the plastic is not really recycled here and is seen as waste. So it's, it goes uh, somewhere else. but if we don't see it as waste, but as a very uh, important material for other things, is very important this. And that's where creativity also enters, that we need creative minds to think, okay, I have this uh, material. What can I do to purpose it in the society that we have? Yeah, I think that's mm. my thought on sustainability. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's quite like a one-way industry right now where we kind of like produce and consume and it's very like one way, but we're not thinking of that like giving back aspect and that um, sort of like balance and harmony, which we're kind of missing. So, yeah, I think it's it's mostly sometimes a philosophical problem, right? Since uh, we produce and then 
we, we don't really want to take the responsibility for it and that's mm. making disasters yeah, I know it's so, so sad yeah it's so sad because like even with corona situation right now and being going on so much like nature walks and like park and exploring like forests yeah, that I've just yeah. you know exactly. you get connected with nature and you're like oh my god like the, I don't know it's sort of like an epiphany that's so true <laughs> That's yeah. so true. I think we, we were like closed in our own, you know, four walls uh, for so long. And I think we really needed to go back to basics somehow, right? To, yeah, to sure. value what's important really to, to value and how can we contribute to this harmony. And yeah, I think it's a daily, how do you say that? Like gratefulness? Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's something that, yeah, you talked about reconnection. Uh, reconnection so... I think that mm. has a lot to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I think we like also dived in so quickly with this is because this is the first podcast and everything. So just like taking a little like breather back and because you have a beautiful jewelry brand and Thank you. for our listeners, it is called the Deco Life. And do you want to talk a little bit more about how the brand began and kind of your thoughts and visions behind sure sure so the deco life for me um if we put it in simple terms is basically elaborating jewelry that is made of materials that have had another life before so is how do we uh, take a material that at the basic doesn't isn't valued um and isn't considered as valuable in our society and how do we take that material and we transform it to make it something that we are we could be uh, proud to wear so for example how do i turn a piece of plastic into like a very uh, eclectic hoop for example and that we can use and you wouldn't for example at first uh, consider um, that would be another material before. So the idea is really to transform, to repair, to upcycle, and mainly to change our vision through the process of making. So that's why, well, some people might consider it as upcycling, but really what I want to show is that through creativity, we can really transform things. Um, And that's why the only rule I have is to not use uh, new material. The The only rule I have is to uh, use materials that are not new. So it can be wood, it can be shell, it can be plastic, it can be a, a cup base, for example. I've tried a lot with that. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, basic like pieces of wood that I find sometimes in the streets, uh, chandeliers, uh, broken chandeliers mainly, like very old ones wow. uh, that people That's don't amazing. have. Um, the, the pieces are broken, they don't want anymore, they don't like the fashion of it. So yeah, that's our project. That's, that's so cool. So where where do you like source these materials? You go you go literally go out and about and see things like charity shops or like where where do you find these? So the idea is to really see potential in everything, but also everywhere. So it can be things that people discard on the streets can be things that people give me uh i spend a lot of time on secondhand online secondhand shops um, to curate and analyze what i can use and what i cannot use um i used to before covid (laughs) to go to uh, secondhand fairs uh to charity shops um so i i just try to see potential 
uh, everywhere and not discard one source. Uh, at the moment, it's still small scale, so it allows me to explore really like the, the sources of materials. But hopefully, uh, I will. I, I would like to develop it in a more uh, consistent and open project like sourcing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I like how you mentioned that you kind of see potential in things that are normally people kind of overlook or disregard. And I think that perception is such a unique way for a designer like yourself to kind of like build on that creativity. So what do you think hinders people from like the, the concept of upcycling and going for secondhand? Well, I think there are both secondhand and upcycling are interconnected but they're not really the same um i think i would say for second hand uh, generally i talk for my uh, background because uh i'm my Port my parents are portuguese but i grew up in france and i also studied in london in milan so i got through many different people um and what i understand is that generally culture has a big role to play in this uh cultural assumptions uh you know sometimes it's like general ideas that are received from our parents, from our family, uh, that just prevent us sometimes to go for secondhand. For some people think it's dirty. Uh, sometimes uh, people think they don't know where it came from. So it might, you know, they don't know what it has gone through. Sometimes it's considered as something for the poor. Um, so there's all these things that might prevent secondhand, uh, I think, at least from my experience that I would say this. Also for upcycling, um, it has a lot to do, I think sometimes with, I think there are several factors in this. Uh, the first one has to do with our education, the education we receive at school in general. Um, we are not really thought, taught to um, experiment, to discover things. Upcycling has needs to be um, creative in general, uh, in general in our education system, I do not mean like every school, I and mean, it also depends a lot of on, on the teachers. But uh, in general, you have this knowledge that's transmitted, so the student isn't generally stimulated to create and to experiment new things by himself or in groups even. So this prevents also this, I think, initiative to create in general. Then you have the factor, this preconception thing that you think, oh, this is not valuable, this is not good material, so I won't use this good material, I need to buy a new one. But the new one, sometimes, if you consider, for example, a packaging of rice, the, the plastic, it's a very good material, it's very resistant. That's why it's so massively used in the industry because the, the plastic is very durable, it's, it's uh, waterproof. So the moment you open the rice packaging and you, you consume your rice, I mean, the, the plastic is still new. It's, it's just, it has been just ripped and it's going to the trash from the moment you consume the, it's just a question of perception and, and val what you value in the process. So I think sometimes putting our assumptions and questioning, like, is this really trash, for example, can help us actually push us to experiment with it. Um, of course, there might be other factors, uh, but this is my perception based on my experience. Um, generally also, people are quite afraid to, to get their hands on things. Uh, 
Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with that. Because even for me, like, I was born and raised in London, but I also had such a, like, Asian sort of upbringing and their kind of cultural views on secondhand is more or less kind of the same as yours as well, where you're talking about kind of, like, the stigma between using old things as, like, dirty or just not, like, good, I guess, like, in quality or whatnot. But um, yeah, you also mentioned about education and kind of like a hindrance in a sense where traditionally in like formal education might not allow you to like, again, like use your, your initiative. It's sort of like black and white, sort of this is the right answer exactly. and mm-hmm. everything else is kind of wrong or not up to like the grade or the marking criteria that the system is like looking for. So I think that is definitely hindrances for sure in um our industry and just yeah it's like thinking outside the box really Mm -hmm. i also just want to add that sometimes also i think what prevents uh this thing of secondhand and upcycling as can have maybe uh is linked to the status um why do we buy new or do we buy secondhand generally it's a piece of clothes if it's still good in secondhand if you don't say it's secondhand nobody will know yeah so sometimes I think it has to do with this necessity for us to project, out, like for people accepting us, you know, we are part of circles mm. of communities. Um, and I think for like, sometimes why do we consider like the, the creative people? And I put this into, how do you call it? Like inverted uh, speech marks. Yeah, yeah, speech marks, yeah. exactly. Like these creative people, why do, are they called the alternative people or the you know, the, the different, the artistic or the ones that, yeah, that like to experiment because they do not depend so much on this approval yeah. generally. Oh my gosh, that's so uh, true. From the outside, you know, so because you have this creativity and you, I mean, I wouldn't say creativity is just the answer for everything, but what I mean is that when you experiment, you get to know yourself outside of the the labels that people put yeah for sure you know yeah who kind of are freed a bit from these uh, judgments i mean people can judge you but you don't rely on this so much to define yourself you know yeah so yeah i what i w- just wanted to add this that i think um yeah that is like yeah. super yeah it's super true because now i'm reflecting back to kind of like my educational experiences and because like I've been quite um, in like a range of sort of environments. So growing up in a, like a local London school, I'm not going to lie, like you would get bullied if you were found in like a charity shop or kind of like these secondhand things. Cause they'll be like, why, why is she in there? Like, does she not have money to, you know, buy yeah. new things and like yeah. high street now is so cheap. So like, why are you not like, why are you going in here? So yeah. like to be even like caught cool in a store like that is like embarrassing or, yeah. you know, it's just like bad on kind of like your reputation when, when I was that year age and I think that's so sad because you're kind of like grown up into thinking you know that that sort of um arena and fashion is stigmatized in that way Mm -hmm. and it's yeah and like only until I was like 16 or 17 when I moved out and I went to like a more private school and I was surprised because they're the ones who were like taking me to the charity shop and I was like (laughs) I mean yeah I was like because I like I had a scholarship so I couldn't even afford that like but for them they were I was just so confused I was like 
why are you taking me here like do you do you there no stigma here like are you are you trying to like call me like I'm a ghetto from like you know London right yeah so it was so strange but because as you said as as well because it was a very art driven school it was specialized in like all the arts so everyone there was very flamboyant very creative and they didn't care and that is definitely like the crowd that kind of um, made me think yeah, it's a question of context, mm, right? Yeah. It's, it, it's not the real, there's no reality, like fixed reality. It just depends on the context you're inserted in. Yeah. It's going to develop your, I don't know, yeah, we can say like self relationship yeah. to things. Yeah. I think, and yeah. I, actually, I think secondhand shops generally allow, first, I, have, I, I think like this first, you're buying something that's, if it's still in good shape, it's really. Like it's going to continue to be in good shape because mm. it has been used. I mean, you're kind of choosing where your money goes to. And you are allowed to be more creative because the pieces you're going to find are unique. So you're not going to have the same and again, same thing all the yeah, time. Yeah, that's another thing, so, actually, because like the high street is very trend driven. And obviously, you know, brands kind of like to copy each other and depends on whatever the trend is of that moment. So so charity shops are cool like you can find gems and just like very unique things yeah. and like fashion is circular anyway so it's not like exactly. it's gonna go out of fashion so yeah it's just like how we see things and it's quite interesting for sure yeah mm-hmm. awesome <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> wow we talked a lot about also education so thinking back mm-hmm. to when you were at school what do you think you could have done differently or wished someone could have told you beforehand all right um well i was uh, i grew up in a very formal school so i wasn't like motivated to experiment or like you know be creative oh. uh from school i would say from i think yeah, my first grade, it's the equivalent, uh, when you enter at school, the first year when you enter at school, around six years old, until I was 18, I was in very, very formal schools. Uh, and in my early years, I had a very, how do you say that? Okay, so I was in formal schools, but basically uh, I had this hint to create, to draw, to make things. As a child, I would like pick uh, shoe boxes and make like tiny houses inside and Aww. just spend my whole afternoons doing this. Yeah, yeah. It was so just, cute. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, as I grew up, I understood that there was no room for this in any of my classes. And my friends were not into this, so I was just doing my own thing. And I started feeling like quite apart because I had this kind of, uh, yeah, I, I, was, I wasn't just entertained in the same way to belong to this group thing, you know? Yeah. So I felt, in my, especially in my teenage years, when you, you know, you grow up, you have your hormones, then, you know, you start being sexualized as yeah. a woman, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, that I had to, I, 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 I remember thinking to myself, like, Joanna, from this day on, you have to stop drawing. This will lead you nowhere. Yeah. And I, and oh I didn't draw for like years, but I felt like very anxious. It was very difficult teenage years. And I think that if, if I could talk to my younger self now, I would just say like, do, do what makes you feel good. And study for science and math and everything you have to do, but don't put yourself aside 
in the process of formal school because that's very dangerous i mean it's it's i think when you i mean it wasn't even like people telling me like you shouldn't do it it was myself receiving information from the outside saying like you're not good to fit in so uh i would just tell my younger self like don't care so much about fitting in like yes. just be yourself and and do your thing because at the end people will also like you as you are you just have to find the right people you don't have to just you know like fit into like boxes that at the end they don't mean that much because then you go to university and then you got to choose your paths and you live your own experiences and and at the end and now what 26 and i mean i don't have the same the same circles and i you know it it, it mattered at the time but today yes i mean things exactly. evolve you know it's it's school is not an end that's what i mean and yeah you can like grow after too yeah i think we we were at least i did in a in my experience in france and switzerland i received this uh idea that school is an end academic path is an end and after that like yeah so i was just say like just do your thing don't i mean and don't rely so much on this thing on fitting inside a box it's hard sometimes but you don't have to for what for who for you know mm. yeah 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 it's, it's totally relatable because I think at that age, you're also very tied up in that, like those groups and those. Yeah, especially women's groups, like girls' groups, you know. Yeah. They can oh, be gosh. very judgmental <laughs> and. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. But little do they know, Joanna is now a game changer out here <laughs> in sustainable fashion. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Oh, you got this. <laughs> yeah, but. Oh. Yeah, I think the experiences shape you anyway. And uh, when we are comfortable to to talk about things in in a natural way, most of the people identify with what you're saying. It's just that some people express it and some don't. You know, so mm. yeah, we are human beings, everyone. So yeah, I'm sure we exactly. go through the same feelings and yeah, yeah. And I think after when you like start doing your own thing, you kind of like start attracting people with the same vision. Exactly. And that's when yeah, yeah, that's when the game changes. Exactly. And you don't care, then you just don't really like mind too much about those other people that you were trying to absolutely. fit in when they didn't try and fit in with you either. So yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely, you're totally right, yeah. totally right. Yeah. We're growing, we're uh, growing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and uh, you had a second question oh uh, yeah so uh, wish someone no oh it was just like if if yeah. you had an advice back then like what, what advice you'd wish someone had told you things will change eventually it's not yeah school is not an end and also uh an important thing uh is that okay most of our teachers are two one or two generations above us and for sure they have more experience than us so they might be right on certain things but you have experiences too and it's not because someone has more experience than you that your experience like that it's not legitimate in this so i think when you have this horizontal approach between someone that's much older than you and you can 
you have an open mind and open art to learn from them. But if you feel that they have also this to learn from you, I think real growth can go from there. Yeah. Uh, because we experience things differently as young people and as older people. Um, and the realities are different, you know, like for example, our parents at our age have had like very well-paid jobs. They had a place for them. Uh, currently, like there's a lot of crisis for younger people. It's much difficult to find jobs that are not specially like in the engineering sector, but to make a society, you need everyone, right? Like a balanced yeah, society. Exactly. So I think learning from each other and not, uh, yeah, don't put your, don't think that your experience are not worth it because they are. And some young people have lived through a lot. Yeah. So no, that's so true. Because yes. I think that's like the common kind of perception with age is like with wisdom. And that's when I think some people don't get it when we young people want to start changing kind of traditional ways of working. And then when we start questioning, start putting, you know, our stance and everything from, you know, like fashion revolution to global marches. And it's very youth driven. And a lot of our like elder counterparts kind of can't swallow that pill because they think oh these rebels are you know think they know better than us and it's it's like it comes like a bitter pill to swallow when we're trying to also just make better change for everyone it's not you know a a younger versus elder generation it has always been like this if you if you analyze like different from you know changes in society generally uh it has come from young younger people And those younger people are the grown-up today. So that's why I think that learning from each other brings growth. Mm. And uh, I read somewhere, in actually from a series, <laughs> but it said like the fear is the is the biggest. Um, uh, I would say ah limitation. I have the word in Portuguese, oh. but not in English. <laughs> um, Fear holds back from growth. That's not prog- like not just progress, but growth. And by growth, uh, we mean also spiritual, social. I mean spiritual in the sense of the relationship with the other, not religious kind of. Yeah, yeah fear is yeah. yeah. It's That's, actually quite. Yeah, it's a powerful feeling. <laughs> um, cool. So yeah, if you were, sure. let's say the world's education chief officer <laughs> um not and intimidating <laughs> at all i have to say <laughs> okay. and you have the power to change something or do something differently to our education system what do you think like what would your new policies be to the kind of the new oh, regime that's a big responsibility <laughs> wow uh well there are some schools that already make it uh for example, Waldorf, or there's a very good school in Bali. It's called the Green School. It's Green fan- School? Green School Bali. It's fantastic oh. school and uh, very inspirational where every project, every um, uh, learning aspects will be learned through projects. So call it like alternative schools. It shouldn't be alternative, but that's how they are perceived. And generally they are private so, because they're not funded. Mm funded uh yeah so i would uh, do this project things so for example instead of having a teacher who passes the knowledge on to you uh 
I would um, give a project, for example, a math project, and through groups, you have to develop, for example, I don't know, like, uh, you, are, you have to reach an end, you have to develop a project through this, uh, but using mathematics and formulas that mm -hmm. have been given to you, for example. So you stimulate interactiveness, uh, you stimulate uh, social group working skills, you develop uh, the experimentation on things, uh, the initiative, and uh, that's what mainly lacks in today's um, thing. Yeah, I think that that is a cool um, way of working because especially, again, like when we were talking about like right, wrong and right answers, but in reality, what is a wrong and right exactly. answer? Exactly, yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah. yeah. And having wrong, kind of like, wrong. yeah, like having teachers as more guiders than exactly. teaching exactly. yeah teachers as guiders exactly as someone who helps you like go through your process exactly that's what for me education should be not uh, a detainer of knowledge like unquestionable knowledge but uh, someone that helps you grow and discover and interact with each other so yeah I yeah, think no. that would be a fun school. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Fun and, uh, and if you look into those schools that already do these kind of things, you see that children in general have better social skills also. They are more curious and they, yeah, they go through that. Through a project with less fear, uh, they research. Uh, I've seen like children that write books. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they draw the book. For example, like a, an English project, writing a book, I don't know, a relating experience of your life or, and through that you learn grammar, you learn, you know, word spelling, I don't know, anything mm -hmm. really. I mean, that's not my specialty, like English or mathematics, but I'm talking yeah. about like main subjects that are valued at school in general. Uh, yeah. What I mean is creativity is not meant to be just an arts thing. Creativity can be applied anywhere and for sustainability it's so important because we it's it stimulates your capacity to adapt to change and the world is going through massive changes so if we don't have this capacity to adapt even like mentally it will be very hard for many people like depression uh, you know all all these things even for consumption you know when you feel bad emotionally what even I have been through this, so I, I talk even for experience. Um, I will buy, I will go to Zara, go to, I, I don't know, like a massive, uh, uh, how do you say, like a fast fashion. Like retail. Yeah. yeah, retail. And I will buy something, and this gives you this, you know, instantaneous um, feeling of pleasure. But if you think you're going to create something instead of going to buy, upcycling something you're contributing to sustainability you're contributing to your own well-being you're contributing to your creativity and you're contributing of your balance in general whereas if you just buy i mean i'm not saying i don't buy okay what i mean is that yeah buying when you need or buying once twice every five Mindless. months yeah it's already making a big yeah. change because not everything is available uh, sustainable, like on sustainable um, productions and even affordable prices for the common uh, consumer. So, yeah, I would say creating instead of buying. And that's where upcycling comes. That's where like jewelry comes because it's still a product 
but it's a product that tells a story, your story, but also the story of the material. So yeah, you, you get like deeply into one ecosystem. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think what is so awesome about your brand and picking jewelry specifically as well, because there's a lot of like value within that sort of product. Exactly. There's, like yeah. I'm happy you mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I think of jewelry, it's like so sentimental and it's so, exactly. there's always a story behind it. Exactly. So with yours, it's like you're also producing it in a, in a very conscious way. And it, that in itself is really sentimental because you know, like, I know that you also talk about a little bit about your workshop after. Yeah. But um, <laughs> like in getting involved in the process of building and creating your own product. And then maybe at the end of the day, you want to gift that piece of jewelry to someone. And exactly. how sweet would that be? Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. You understood it. I'm so happy. Because, yeah, no, I yeah. love it. Yeah, yeah, I love like that element to value of a product. And yeah. Exactly. It could be anything else, but I chose jewelry in particular because there's this sentimental value attributed mm. to jewelry in general. Like even to tell something about yourself, you can have the most basic outfit, but if you have like, I don't know, huge hoops or a tiny necklace, yeah. it will say a totally different thing about you. And also yeah. if you look at it, it's a very universal object because every culture has its own accessories and says something different about themselves with them so you can even pass that down to like your I don't know your children in the future and stuff like that's the beauty mm -hmm. of jewelry but again you can do it with clothes as well but you know it's that sort of element like of value again with the product yeah. that you've got yeah. what uh, also I want to show is that you don't need like specific tools mm -hmm. I mean, you need some tools, but it's like very basic tools to make something beautiful. Uh, in those jewelry, these masters, you need like, you know, there's the jeweler kit and there's the, the jewelry I make because I want to show that anyone can make it with basic tools they have at home. I don't want like a, a very elaborated workshop, like traditional one, mm -hmm. um, because uh, that's not my message you know like I don't want just to be a jeweler I want to be someone that actually gathers people around the process of making and creativity that's what I mean yeah, yeah. it's like the um, accessibility in the process exactly yeah so mm -hmm. in talking about that then what would you recommend to someone with absolutely no design skills but is then interested into getting into these creative processes just do it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just grab... Actually, I, I wrote a blog post on my website uh, last month, I think. And uh, it's how to choose your jewellery material to start upcycling. And uh, one of the aspects is to um, take something you have at home. Don't buy anything. Just take something you have at home and look, for example, for material properties. Can you bend it? Can you twist it? Can you cut it? Uh, if it has these properties, then you're really, really good to go with that and if you lack motivation i would say put your phone aside don't look for tutorials and just play with play yeah just play with the material do what as a kid you did but do it as an adult you know like do it yes now. <laughs> yes so then okay that leaves on to our final 
part of the podcast and mm-hmm. this is this section is called AA asks and answer so this is when our AA family um, submits questions or kind of their thoughts about this topic and so I've got two questions from our Instagram family and the mm-hmm. first one is Emily from Leicester and she asks understanding you try and use as much of the waste materials as possible what happens to the rest of the unused or leftover scraps so i keep i have a few bags uh that i keep all the scraps inside and i try to make bigger objects with them so for example Uh, or the things that I'm not currently posting on my Instagram, but I also make like installations and stuff like that made of trash. Um, And for example, for the plastic that I don't use, I make uh, stuffing of poofs, you know, like the poofs. And I just, I have a big bag and I put it inside and it, you know, stuffing, you call it stuffing? Yeah, yeah. The filling. Yeah, stuffing, filling. uh, Inside, loving it. It's not a pillow, but it's a poof. I don't know how do you call that in English. A poof. You know those big a poof. And that's a, the same word in French, but not in English. Uh, we'll but, we'll find it. Uh, <laughs> we'll find it and put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think maybe people will understand. No, it's uh, it's like a big cushion, but you sit on it. A big cushion. Is it like a beanbag? <laughs> oh my god! Wait, how do I translate this? Maybe it's called a poof. Yeah, if you if you write poof on Google, you will like you will see. Okay. New word out here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I I don't discard like almost anything. Actually for form, since the beginning of the COVID, I was uh, feeling really desperate about the amount of trash because you know we were just ordering online and everything coming yeah. inside plastic. So I didn't throw anything away. I just have like wow. bags of stuff that I'm thinking like, okay, until the end of this year, I'm going to use everything for something. I don't know what yet, but I want to challenge myself on this. So I use some of this material for jewelry, but everything I would need like a factory, actually. It's actually yeah. desperating to, to see how you can accumulate plastic yeah yeah it's scary yeah you need to tell me like what you end up doing with it after yeah i think I, i'm thinking actually to start posting about it yeah but, that'd be um, cool. i'd like to include this for example like in uh, workshops not just jewelry i would have the jewelry part but also making bigger things because for the the scale of the amount of things you need like to make bigger things with that because yeah. <laughs> it's really scary. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. So then our second question is from Jason from Toronto and he says, I'm currently struggling to find consciously made men's jewelry, but with this niche, it's been super difficult. So what would you, would you consider branching out your collection for men's too in the future? I'm thinking of, about it, honestly. Um, in the future, yes. At the moment, it's more difficult for me because it's already very time-consuming, uh, all the work I've been uh, doing now. And I would really want it, but more than that, I would lo- love to have men coming to my workshops and making their own pieces 
Yeah, and I love even like with um, handbags now, like guys are rocking handbags and that is so dope. Like I want to see a little bit more jewelry and accessories, I think. That'd yeah. be really cool. Yeah, yeah for That'd sure. So just to close off, what is next for your brand? Tell us, tell us some exciting things to look out for. I want to, I would love to open a center. At the, with the COVID situation, uh, it's quite a bit sensitive time. I think, but hopefully things will get a bit calmer. And uh, yeah, but I'm I'm working on it now to trying to understand what's the best structure to involve people. And yeah, and I'm I'm still studying, but it ideally would be to have this you know center where mm. people come and create. Yeah, physical and, connections. And yeah, the physical connection. That's what I miss the most because despite this is a like you can consider this an artistic project or whatever. Uh, made by me it's not about me you know like this is about creativity in general and to show that it's possible to make like very beautiful things out of nothing and what I liked the most uh, was the fairs because I could talk to people exchange with people it was very important to me and with COVID <laughs> not so much no fairs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> exactly so I was a bit sad about this but I Slowly, at least in Portugal, things are a bit calmer. And yeah. Hopefully, things will get back and still gathering a community to be able to then also dynamize my, my workshops and hopefully a center. But yeah, that's, that's in my yeah. mind. I'm, I'm going The vision. There. Yeah, <laughs> it's my vision, yeah. To gather people around creative process, for sure. Yeah, so if anyone is by Lisbon... You're going to have yes. to check out the Deco Live. If you travel here, please. <laughs> so thank you so much, Joanna, for joining our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. For <laughs> no accepting. I'm so happy. Thank you. So happy for you to um, join us. And we learned so much about upcycling and breaking stigmas for secondhand and waste. Thank you so much to to connecting and to, to be able to, as you mentioned, to, to know people that have, like, similar values and to learn from each other and that's that's very important yeah. yeah um where can our listeners find you so i'm on instagram as everyone else mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the uh, also mm-hmm. on my website uh it's the uh and through email uh, the deco lifestyle uh, at gmail.com so and on facebook too but Facebook, it's not, it's not as, tra- as trendy <laughs> yeah, I know, anymore. <laughs> but yeah, we are on Facebook because I still have some people there. So it's important to have Facebook too. Yeah. So yes, follow us on Instagram. Reach me if you have any questions also. For sure, Amazing. I will be very pleased to exchange with anyone and... Thank you. Thank you so much. Joana, live from Portugal. So we may have stopped talking, but that doesn't mean you have to. Join us and the rest of the AA fam on our website at animaanimus.co.uk to connect and continue the conversation within our forum spaces. Please do drop me what your thoughts were on this episode. You can even submit any voice notes, ideas, or stories that you'd like me to share on the show. You can also find all the links we've mentioned in this episode in the show notes available on our website 
and I would be so so grateful if you could help me make this show become more discoverable for others by leaving a five-star review on your favorite episode and a social media handle I can contact you with because I would love to connect and thank you all personally. I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Thank you so much again for coming through and for listening. I really appreciate you joining this journey with me in driving discussions and creating positive industry change. Once again, I want to send you all a mad, mad love. And until next week, this was the Anima Animas podcast with Chelsea now signing out.